Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Oh, oh, there we go. We're live. Welcome to Millennial Money, everybody. We got a lot to discuss in today's video. We appreciate you joining us as always. In this video, we got a little bit of a different format. So our goal is to always do these episodes in person, but obviously I'm in Arizona right now. We can't always do it in person, although that is the goal. So we got a little different format we're going to try today, and we really want to hear from you guys on your opinion on this. If you love it, tell us. If you hate it, tell us. Um, but essentially, we've, we actually prepared some um, screenshots and whatnot that we're going to go over in the course of this video to kind of keep us on track and uh, talk and discuss and debate a lot of these different subjects, uh, real estate, stocks, cryptos, all that good stuff. So Graham, Andre, how are you gentlemen doing today? I'm too. Good. I would be better if you were in Vegas, Jeremy, so we could film yeah. this in person. The in-person ones are so much better. So yeah. much better. Yeah, and, and they're a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to be in person. Yeah, so. I think yeah, I think we've all acknowledged the in-person ones are are a league different than this. So we are going back to that. And uh, once once Jeremy gets back to Vegas where he belongs, then <laughs> then we'll do more of the in-person ones. Uh, also, yeah. we want to say a huge shout out to FTX for sponsoring today's video. But we will go into them a little bit later when we talk about crypto. And everything they have to offer but uh, they do help support the channel tremendously so if you are interested we do have a link down below in the description but like i said we'll talk about them a little later yes yes and with that being said alex we are ready for the first uh slide so, of the rundown here what did you yeah so what did you prepare for us jeremy so, you're throwing you're yeah, throwing this we, at it let's see we got a we got a lot we're getting into here we're gonna get in the market yeah, we're going to even get into nfts i even prepped an nft slide for andre here today but uh <laughs> yeah so where we're starting at here is essentially how far off of all-time highs we already are. And this has happened pretty darn quick. The Dow is now off 8.7%. The uh, S&P 500 is now off over 10%, which now puts it in officially a correction. That is now a correction. QQQ, which is the NASDAQ, is now down 16.3%. IWM, which is the Russell 2000, think of that as small cap stocks, is now down roughly about 19%. So, yeah, we're getting into some pretty big numbers, gentlemen. Um, what is a crash considered? What percentage 20. of that? 20. Would you say that's 20 officially? Or Well, 20%. Yeah, I would I would call it crash 20. But technically, then we're in a bear market. Yeah. Corrections, 
I don't know. And then I don't. Then people have different terms if if they want to call a collapse like forty percent, <laughs> some arbitrary numbers. But technically, corrections ten percent. Bear market is twenty. Yeah, mm. yeah. And recession is two quarters back to back of negative. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yes. 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 So, yeah. Do you guys think this this market uh, downward pressure is going to continue on, or you think it's it's ending anytime soon? Possibly. Uh, I mean, the the thing with corrections, though, they're so common. Um, statistically, they seem to happen every sixteen months, give or take. When you have a correction; it doesn't last that long. It could be anywhere from thirty to sometimes ninety days. So, if anything, historically and statistically. They tend to be good buying opportunities, but you know, you never know what's going to happen, really. So I'm buying just treating this like I'm buying a little bit more. I'm, I'm I'm ramping up instead of buying, you know, my normal amount. I'm I'm adding an extra like ten percent. Nice, yeah. It's uh, buy on the sound of cannons and sell on the sound of trumpets. I don't know if you guys want to get into the whole Ukraine thing, but Jeremy, last time we talked about the whole uh, global conflict stuff, we didn't get like too into it. But I pulled some numbers from my last video. We could talk about that if you guys want to get into the Ukraine. Yeah, thing. I, I know. I know we're going to definitely get into that. That's definitely one of the slides I had I had prepped. But in terms of the market volatility, I mean, um, unfortunately, we just have so much crap to deal with in this market. You got inflation fears. You have, you know, the Fed worries. How many times is the Fed going to raise rates? You have this Russia situation that has taken precedence over everything else. Um, you have a lot of things that have gone out of whack, such as real estate prices, which I know we'll get into. I got some slides prepped for that. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird market right now. And, and somebody was, was bringing up uh, something pretty interesting. They, they showed Pepsi and, and Coca-Cola P ratios, which mm -hmm. trade around 25. And then they showed Facebook, which is uh, Meta now, trading at about a 15 and they said, you know, Meta's trading at a 15 on growth concerns when I, we all know like Meta's going to far outgrow Pepsi and Coca-Cola revenue wise, net income wise, everything uh, over the next five, 10 years. And yet Meta's trading underneath those. We're in a we're in a oh, we're in a funky man. market. Jeremy, how sure yeah. are you that that Meta won't become like the next MySpace in a couple of years? It, or if, it just seems like social media is so transitory. It's so transient. It's just like it's always constantly evolving and changing. Do you think there's a slight possibility that it might go away of, you know, Facebook or MySpace? Yeah. yeah. I think I think that's always a, a possibility. And that's uh, something Facebook's had to go through since they went public. I remember when they went public, they're like, oh, this could just be the next MySpace. And then a year or two, no one uses it anymore. And that obviously proved to not, not be the case. Um, and then they own WhatsApp. They own Instagram. And they have so much financial power, they could buy out other things, build other apps. But that's always been a narrative like, oh, it could just go away and no one will use it. And it just hasn't been that way. So, um, you know, I think it's a pretty unrealistic view. It's kind of the same view as like, couldn't everybody just stop drinking Coca-Cola tomorrow? Sure. I guess they could. Um, Dude, that but, thing's addicting. <laughs> the thing's a drug. <laughs> no, no one's going to stop drinking Coca-Cola. I don't know. I stopped drinking Coca-Cola. Best decision ever. <laughs> I, I, I gave it up entirely when in high school. And now it's the stuff is disgusting. But um I don't know. I, I don't believe that Facebook is guaranteed to have more revenue. I think I think it could be risky. I think their advertising business is definitely under attack. They're going to have to find a way around it. And yeah. it's just going to depend on how well they can navigate this. Personally, I, I think probably they will. Probably they'll they'll do well, realistically. But I don't know. I feel like it's it's not guaranteed and there could be anything that happens and right now they really don't have the best reputation i mean you ask anyone under 35 and no one uses facebook a lot of people use whatsapp everybody uses instagram 
but a lot of people are, are moving over to TikTok. So it'll be interesting to see how they can compete. And they still have not done a good job on long-form video content. I yeah. tried posting video content to Facebook. And even taking my like 12-minute videos and taking them down to like five minutes, horrible. I mean, it's just so bad that after a few mm -hmm. months of doing that like three, four times a week. Do you think that's because the audience there is just a different demographic? It's just like tend to Correct. be older? Yeah. Correct. And Facebook, um, and I wasn't exactly aware of this, and I'm learning as I go along, but they have a big international reach. It's, it's not, it's, it's much bigger in other parts outside of the U.S. And we, mm -hmm. we tend to forget about that. We kind of think of everything as just being U.S. centric. But for Facebook, a lot of theirs is just overseas. That's where it is. So obviously my U.S.-based financial content is not going to do that well when a lot, you know, a big portion of the population does not reside in the U.S. Yeah. yeah. And I got to say, I, I hate soda as well. <laughs> Very bad for you. Yeah. But, no, but anyways, um, in all seriousness, in regards to that, you know, it's, it's like, who do you want to get in front of? You know, do you want to get in front of, a, you know, like if, if you were an advertiser and you're going to advertise, right? And you think about, I want to get in front of TikTok people. Like who, who are TikTok people? Like what you would think of at least is like high school kids, college kids, maybe something like that. If you want to get in front of a 52 year old, uh, you might use Facebook, right? Uh, maybe Instagram as well. And I, you know, I think there's more older people that also use TikTok. I think it's just probably not nearly as popular as, as some of the older, um, you know, apps and websites and things like that. But um, anyways, that, that's probably way off subject. So nonetheless, we got a lot of volatility in the market. It's probably going to remain volatile. At some point, we'll bottom. Um, that's just a, do you guys have any sort of prediction on when the market will bottom? Um, I, you know, it's tough for me to say. I feel like it's within the next 45 days, but uh, that, that's a tough prediction to make. I would say it's actually around now. Ooh, uh, yeah, I think wow. it highly, highly depends on the Ukraine situation. And that's okay. kind of going into it if you want to get into the numbers. But uh, yeah, so, so just, just to give you guys some small numbers. Uh, so they looked at data between 1926, right, to, to 2013. And small cap stocks, Jeremy, so the ones you're investing in, uh, the Russell 2000, they actually beat the S&P 500. So they returned an average of 13.8%, but they were also more volatile. So if you, if you could stick through it, You'd make more money if you, you know, you don't have a heart attack and sell everything. But uh, <laughs> that's a good way of putting it, Andre. Yeah. Have a heart attack and sell. That's yeah. Great. And and large cap stocks, by the way, they uh, they averaged a return of eleven point four percent, so a little bit less, but they also had less volatility. Uh, the first world conflict. So 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 the thing I'm talking about, by the way, there's there's they kind of broke it up into two types of conflicts: there's short term conflict and long term conflict. Now, long-term conflict is like, you know, W-A-R. I don't know if we're allowed to say it here on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And the short-term conflict is just like an unexpected event, like a, an attack. Now, the first uh, conflict in 1914, the Dow fell 30%, but that's because they closed the stock market for the entire year. And then when they reopened it in 1915, it went up 88%, which was the highest on, on record ever. And then between 1939 to 1945, the second world conflict, uh, the Dow Jones index, index throughout those six years was up 50%. So they kind of aggregated all the data and they say that during long-term conflict, the stock market is less volatile and has better returns. And its lowest point is right before basically the sound of the cannons, right? So it's like, that 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 period of time where everything is is just a rumor, like oh this country is about to attack, that's when it's the worst. 
And that's why I say the stock market, I think, has probably bottomed if the situation doesn't get worse from this point on. And that's the, kind issue, of yeah. the issue that I see is that let's just say that supply chains are interrupted because of Russia, Ukraine. Let's just say that oil continues going up. Oil futures continue going up. That means air travel is more expensive. Shipping is more expensive. Driving cars is more expensive. Vacations. Everything is more expensive. And then we get this inflation reading that could be higher that prompts the Federal Reserve to say, oh, wow, prices are rising a little bit faster. We understand there's some tension going on here, but we, we can't keep having 7.5% you know, inflation. So maybe we got to raise interest rates a little bit more, a little bit faster than expected. That, I think, is the wild card. So, so, so to Graham's point, um, they did say that during long-term conflict periods, the it, obviously the government is spending more money. So yes, there is more inflation. There is empirical data for that. But they also say that, uh, uh, gosh, so, so yeah, Graham is right to that point. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to have some inflation. So. The, crazy, the craziest one there, uh, Andre, was the, the, you know, the year they closed the stock market. Like, that's just nuts. Dude, like, can you that is nuts, yeah. <laughs> okay, so so wow. the only counter-argument counter just... against Graham, what he said, though, is, is just that the, the Fed might be a little bit more hesitant to raise rates just because of the instability that we're seeing. So I don't know if you guys agree with that. I know, I know people say that, like, Mr. You know, Papa Powell doesn't care about the stock market, but I, I do think he pays attention to, you know, kind of like the overall sentiment. So I do think he cares. Yeah. Um, so so there, there is a chance that, like, the only silver lining in this whole situation is that he might hold off on raising rates at, you know, half a percent. So it might, you know, be a quarter percent. But, uh, yeah, that's the only silver lining. Yeah, a hundred percent. All right, Alex, let's get on to the second one here. All right, so all right, guys. So this is this is an interesting one. I, I had Phoenix, Vegas, and in Dallas uh, taking a picture of here, and uh, oh. th yeah, it's it's a a highly contested subject. You know whether we are in a housing bubble right now. If this is not a housing bubble. But when you see, you know, some of these charts, they're definitely a, a little, a little scary. And, and anyways, you know, Phoenix, uh, Vegas and Dallas all were, there we go. Pretty much the same. I mean, just they've gone up uh, pretty parabolic. And I was looking at almost every single market out there, San Francisco, even L.A., everything. It was um, you know, pretty much. I would say that's I know Graham could comment on this better, but it, it just seems like such a misleading uh, chart because it, it seems like, oh, of course, we're, you know, we're going down. But like. Hmm. Times have changed so much. I mean, there's, there's been 10 years. You, you got to factor inflation. Incomes have gone up. Inventory has gone down. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Graham? Yeah, my one complaint with those charts, the charts is that they're two very isolated areas that have seen a huge migration from California and surrounding cities to mm -hmm. Phoenix, arguably one of the most now in-demand areas of the entire U.S. It's one of the areas that's seen the most appreciation besides, I think it's, Utah and Idaho. Um, same with Las Vegas. We've seen yeah. tremendous movement from people from California and really around the U.S. So those charts, while, yes, they do look alarming, they point to such a small segment, I think, of the overall market. I think it would be better to look at the overall case shiller for the entire U.S., and that would give us a better picture because you could also point to areas like, uh, you know, uh, parts of California, I, I, I'm blanking on the cities. Like, you know, you do this for Fresno, California. It's going to look totally different. Or, or uh, gosh, what's another one? Like Fullerton. It, it's going to look different than, than Phoenix and Vegas, who are, you know, the most. It would be like pointing to uh, 
don't know what's a stock that's gone up tremendous. Like, you know, I don't know. Give me a stock that's gone up a lot lately versus Tesla, <laughs> Tesla versus any stocks that have gone up lately. You know, versus another stock that's gone down a lot lately, and comparing yeah. the two and saying, "Well, this is a bubble, but this is not." Um, yeah, so that's what I think about that. Yeah, that's a great point, Graham. And and I will say, in defense of those charts, is almost every single market they showed. I just highlighted those because those are the markets we we really care about. But they showed Denver, they showed Boston, they showed a lot of different markets, and they had all pretty much gone up a lot. But I think the the main thing to remember for folks um, in regards to the, the housing crisis we had, the housing bubble, um, in comparing to this situation is don't ever forget how easy it was to get loans. And anybody that was, you know, could get a mortgage back then, like all you had to say was like, I get this and they give you like some crazy mortgage. Now it is so intensive. Anybody that's been through the home buying process knows how intensive it is, how much they look at the documents. Um, you know, how much you have to provide. I mean, at that time back then you could put zero money down, you know, now it's pretty customary for, for 20%. So it's a very different lending market back then than it is today. I will say that. So, so uh, Jeremy, for real estate, I know you took out equity out of your house, right? Did you already do that? It's still in the process. Okay. But you're taking out how much, like 80% I'm assuming? Um, yeah, something around there, 75, 80. Yeah. You're going to leave like whatever, 20% to avoid the yeah, PMI. Yeah. yeah. And there's more than that. The, the appraiser was about 600 K under what, what we should have been at. But anyways. Oh, yeah. wait, Jeremy, tell us if what happened here. This is the, the Vegas house, right? Yeah. Yeah. The appraiser came in way low. I don't want to say the specific number on air, but they came in way low and you know, how much Everybody I know that like, knows a lot about Vegas real estate is like, dude, if you put that on the market, it's at least 600 higher than what they appraised it for. And they, wait, they're like, six, that would be what say what? 600,000. 600, yeah. Yeah. Vegas yeah. house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. wow, that's impossible. That's yeah. 600,000 would be. You can't comp in our neighborhood right now because it's so new. It's Wait, really, how do you, why, why would you say it's 600,000 less? Are you just looking at Zillow numbers? Okay. Or what? No, no. Uh, based upon my mortgage uh, lender, who I think knows more about Vegas real estate than anybody I've ever met in my life. By a lot. Um, so that was his opinion. Say, like, yeah. But let's just say for a round number, let's just say the home is worth, let's say, throwing it out there, 1.1 million. Mm -hmm. Coming in 600,000 would be wouldn't make any sense. So they're valuing it as though it's a $500,000 house. No, no. Coming in 600 K um, less than what it would sell for today. Essentially. That's a, no, I, that's what I mean. But that's substantial. The house is worth would sell for, let's just say a million dollars. 600,000 yep. would be. Well, yeah, but it's not a million dollar house. I think we all know that. <laughs> I know exactly. Which makes the 600,000 less, even more. I mean, it's one thing to be worth, you know, 2.6 and they appraised for two. Not that big of a deal, but it's a percentage. I think that's what he's talking about, though. Yes. It is like 2.6 and it's two instead of. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. Are we talking about oh the Vegas house? The Vegas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the main one. one. I'm the sorry. Vegas. I'm thinking of your other house that was substantially less. I'm like, that's 50 percent of the value that. Yeah. 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 So um, anyways, uh, wait, where were we going with this subject? That went so far off off subject. I can't even remember where we where we started this whole thing. Oh, we're just talking about real estate being kind of inflated. And uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I asked you, you, took, you, you took out equity, uh, because, yeah. which you're playing defensive right now. So you're saying that it's better to hold cash than it is to be in kind of in the market. Um, no, I, I, actually, I got that ready just in case um, we continue to 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 crash this baby. I'd rather have the capital around. And so I've yeah. done a few things in my life that have just in case this gets okay. a lot uglier. Cause I mean, the last thing you want to do is if you are actually get into a crash, be like, 
hmm, let me try to do a cash out refi right now. Good luck doing that. And if, if you are in a serious uh, crash or we actually were in some sort of yeah. recession. Or am, am I crazy to, I'm playing it the exact opposite. I'm like, I'm trying to get as much debt as I can before inflation gets crazy. I, I'm trying yeah. to lock rates as cheaply as possible because I think inflation mm -hmm. is going to continue. Yeah, it's and yeah, it's, that's not a it's, that, yeah, that's not a bad bad strategy at all. Um, it, it's uh, especially if you can lock in low rates. That's the thing. If yeah. you think interest rates are going to continue to go up and up and up, um, yeah. you know, it's the smartest thing to do. And I know a lot of people that are in situations with their homes now, where let's say they live in a six hundred thousand dollar house now that they could sell for six hundred tomorrow if they wanted to, but their mortgage is like eight hundred dollars. Because they got it at such a low interest rate and they bought at such cheaper prices than it is now, which yep. is an interesting thing, a phenomenon for the market because those people can't move now. Right. If, if they move, where, where are you going to move to? You know, if you move to another $600,000 house, let's say something equivalent, well, now get ready for your mortgage to pay, be, um, you know, that would probably be what, 3K on a 600K yep. house versus you're paying like 800 bucks today or something like that or $1,000 maybe $1,200, like, you know, that's crazy to think about. So that, that kind of hurts the, the supply situation where a lot of folks are going to feel like they can't move because if they do move to get that same amount of lifestyle, they would need to pay so much more in a mortgage and come yeah. up with that. Many other well, either, so, I mean, two things can happen. One, either people don't move and there stays the same amount of demand that keeps prices buoyant or because they're not moving and because they're not paying these prices, more sellers will come on the market trying to list their houses at the same time, and that will cause values to go down proportionally, depending on how many people refuse to sell or what they're willing to pay for something else. I, I tend to lean more towards people are not going to sell, they're not going to move, and I think supply chain shortages and just the difficulty with building is probably going to keep prices relatively stable. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, Alex, let's get in the next subject up here. Ooh, okay, are gentlemen. Small caps? No, no, these are these are just stocks in general. Oh. Um, somebody posted this list and it kind of went viral out there. Dude, and, this looks uh, like the text. This looks like the Dow Jones. <laughs> it looks like when the when the tech bubble happened, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. it looks, and, and when you look at this list, here's the thing: this isn't like this is a bunch of like sorry, crap. Sorry, 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 sorry. Give us more context. This is over what the last month the, or over the last year. Okay. So this, is, this yeah. has probably got to be from peak. This yeah, or, yeah, from peak. yeah, yeah, from the peak, which a lot of the I'm looking at a lot of these. We have a lot of meme stocks. We have a lot of Reddit stocks. I mean, like, you know, yeah, I, I, can, I you, you look anywhere and you're like meme stock, meme stock, meme stock, Wall Street bets, Wall Street bets. Wall Street. Yeah. Like some of these were were oh my God, so Robin to begin with. Yeah, Robin yeah, some is. of these are legit. You know, business. Hey, don't if you could put that back up, Alex, because I would love to go back over that. So look at some of these stocks. They're very legit. You know, you got Square on here. You have yeah. PayPal on here, 66% there. You have Beyond Meat. Um, you have uh, Rocket Mortgage, 70%. You have um, Pinterest, obviously, 73%. You have Affirm, 79%. You have, well, Wish Stock, 91%. That's, that's a rough one. Sam, which makes Sam Adams beer and uh, Truly, 71% down. Uh, Zoom, 71% down. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of Fiverr, 78%. You know, these are like, these are real companies with real business models. What is that? Redfin, RDFN, uh, 78%. Um, 
you know, a lot of these are, are real business models that have substantial revenues and, and good growth profiles. And they have just been DocuSign down 65%, Twilio 65%, uh, Matterport 81%, Stitch Fix 84%. Some of these moves are crazy. This man. is so crazy, man. Cause I remember like when I first started investing in index funds, I put everything I had just like $30,000 into uh, an index fund. And, uh, in one year, I made like $3,000. I was up 10%. The next year, I was down like $1,000. I was, was down not that much, like 3%. And for, like, for the rest of that week, I was so depressed. I was sad. I was angry. I was like, this investing thing sucks. Because to me, the, what it felt like was like I lost a year's worth of progress. Like That's what it feels like. And like I'm looking at my portfolio right now, and you said the S&P 500 is down, what, 10% this year, year to date? Yeah, 10.1 from all time highs. Yeah, my, my stock, my dividend portfolio is actually, you know, it's not doing crazy better, but it's down 7%. It's, it's something, but it's, you know, I can't imagine the people that started investing this year and buying all these tech stocks and all these high flyers and how much money they must have lost. Can you imagine, like, you just invested your first $1,000 and you're down 68, 70, 80 percent? But you know what? But that could be that, I think, in the long term is going to get people into index fund investing. I think so, too. I think think we've all got I think we've all gotten burned with with certain stocks like that. We've gone in and uh, we've rode, you know, rode them up to the top and say, oh, this is great. And then they fall like, oh, it'll recover. And it keeps falling. And oh, no, you know, at some point, then you, you make a decision if that's a risk you're willing to take, or if you're not cut out for it, then you go to index fund investing. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> I look at a lot of these stocks and I'm like, a lot of these were just, were stay at home plays. They rallied. They, they, they went up higher than anybody ever expected. And I won't argue that I pretended like, Oh, these were never worth that. Cause I remember the moment uh, when zoom stock went up like 400%. Um, everybody thought, including myself, I'm like, wow, this could be a major player. And maybe if we, we stay like this, Zoom is going to take over. I mean, it, and they could integrate so many different things. And sometimes in the moment you see this and, and it makes I feel like sense. But everyone yeah. was doing that. Everyone was running numbers and profitability and they were like extrapolating out to the next five years. And they were like, yeah. if they continue on these numbers, this is going to be a $1,000 stock. And I was like, I remember yeah. last, actually 2020, everyone was buying Tesla. Everyone was buying tech stocks. And I was like, man, I don't know. The, the run-up just started, and I just stayed away from it all. So I'm, I'm kind of glad I did because I, yeah. I don't have that same kind of nerve-wracking experience. Yeah. I would be more curious what that chart would look like. And now it's a lot of SPACs in there, so it won't even apply. But what a lot of those companies looked like two years ago. So right like pre-pandemic versus today, how much they're up. I bet it would be a lot more normal-looking. I bet uh, you know maybe besides PayPal, which just got hit so hard. But I, yeah. I bet a lot of those would seem a lot more reasonable over a two-year time frame. Uh, yeah, like for well, PayPal went yeah. from 119 to 103, which isn't as bad of a drop as some of the other ones did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, PayPal's gotten ambitious, but you know, a lot of these stocks, um, if they were public prior to Rona, you know, if you go back to even like 2019, 2018, some of these stocks actually hit hit levels higher in those years than, than back then. But let's see, audience poll, are you yeah. buying index funds or individual wow, stocks? Yeah, like, stocks. Zoom, like Zoom, for example, was 105 two years ago, and now it's 126. Mm. So you would have actually made a profit buying Zoom, you know, assuming obviously it didn't sell at the peak. But see, uh, and, and that, that, that poll we just did, where it was like, what, 65% buy individual stocks versus index funds. I think, you know, big. for us, 
you know, that that's about right for the numbers um, for us, because these are people that really care about the financial markets. Like if you're watching this millennial money right now, you really give a crap. You're like really in this. Right. Um, I think, you know, for, for most folks, they don't they don't care anything about this. So they just buy index funds. Right. But um, I think I think those numbers kind of, you know, sound about right. I think if it was my audience, it'd be like, you know, 95 percent by individual stocks and maybe five percent mostly index funds. So. Um, and also, I think the younger you are, you probably skew a little more toward taking more risk. And I know I've always been like that, um, you know, versus just kind of the, the safe route, you know, because if you were going the safe route, you wouldn't even think about touching Bitcoin. Right. Right, Andre. <laughs> I don't know. Man. Are, you calling me old? are you calling me old for buying index funds? <laughs> Speaking of this, by the way, we do have to give a huge shout out. To our sponsor, FTX, because if we are going to talk about cryptocurrency, FTX is a fantastic place for you to buy, sell, track, and trade both cryptocurrencies and NFTs all in one place for less than the competition. And they're trusted by over 6 million people worldwide. Not to mention, they also just raised a lot of money. They're U.S. regulated, and uh, they've been a, it's just an easy-to-use platform, and that's why I've really enjoyed um, uh, using them. 4.8 stars on the app store with 52,000 reviews. That's amazing. You know, if that doesn't say people absolutely love FTX, I don't know what it is because that's yeah. Amazing. The other cool yeah, thing is, that... oh, go, go for it. Andy. All right. No, no fixed minimum fees on transactions, no ACH fees on withdrawals, uh, and no fees on top of Ethereum and Solana collections. So they're also the world's most popular cryptocurrency tracking platform, and uh, you can pick from 10,000 different options. So everyone's covered. Yeah. What I liked is that uh, for every trade over $10, you get uh, free crypto. And so I got, I bought some Bitcoin on the platform the other day, and I got a free Dogecoin. Nice. I got one Dogecoin for free, which maybe at some which point, point you know, which means so Jeremy might eventually someday buy some crypto. <laughs> Hey, I got crypto, man. I got crypto. Right. I just got a little crypto. I got a little crypto, okay? Um, one other thing that I actually thought was kind of interesting is that they just announced a partnership with uh, Coachella, and they're going to be offering a lineup of NFT passes, digital collections, and basically tickets, where if you have this NFT, you're going to be able to get like backstage passes and stuff like that, which I think is probably the future of NFTs and how they're going to be used just to verify that like you actually got the ticket that you say you did. You're not yep. trying to, to copy it. And um, they got a crypto debit card. So, And that crypto debit card, by the way, is used at millions of merchants worldwide. So if you want to sign up and support the channel, the link is down below in the description. Just click that little link and uh, you won't be disappointed. Nice. Yeah. Thank you, FTX, for sponsoring. As always, already, Alex, we're ready to get on to the next subject, which might even be crypto related. Yes, it is. Ah, so, there we go. Yes, uh, crypto. So, Andre, I'd love to get your perspective. And Graham, um, you know, with all this drama, you know, in the markets right now, which there's a lot, you know, where does this leave Bitcoin? Where does this leave Ethereum? Like, it kind of seems like both of them are in no man's land right now. And I'd love to get your guys' take. Is that kind of how you view it? They're just in no man's land. They're not really going to go up anytime soon, down anytime soon. What do you guys view as far as that goes? Well, I, man, I wish I could give you some like crazy statistical analysis of the situation, but the reality is just really simple. So anytime the market is scared and, and, and it's volatile, it's the riskiest assets like Bitcoin, like Ethereum, like NFTs that track the market, except just worse. Like every move is amplified, right? If the stock market's down 10%, crypto's down 20%. If it's up 10%, it's up 20%. So it's just 
it just moves with the market. So when this whole thing blows over, then I could see it going up. But, I, but I've also seen some analysts talk about like the earliest that Bitcoin could go up in value is the next halvening, which should take place in 2024. Um, it doesn't happen right away, the moment of the happening. It happens like within six months of it happening. So it could very well be that the next time Bitcoin has this crazy run up it is in 2024. So in the meantime, it might trade sideways. It might consolidate. It's a good buying opportunity if you want a dollar cost average into it. Over the meantime, Jeremy, you maybe don't want to buy one like right away, right? But you want to buy maybe $100 a week or $100 a month just slowly getting into it, I think now is a good time to start accumulating. Thank you. And I know if I use, if I did buy, I would use FTX and I would use our link down in the description area. There we go. Hey, by the way, there Alex, can you, can you put us to the next slide, please? Because Andre kind of touched on that a little bit. Uh, the stock to flow. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, next Bitcoin bull run won't happen until the end of 2024, says Top Crypto Exchange. Bitcoin may not see a bull market until late 2024 or the beginning of 2025 if past price cycles are any indication, says the co-founder. He told CNBC that Bitcoin bull markets are closely tied to the process of called halving, uh, or having, <laughs> which occurs every few years. The next halving event takes place in 2024. And he thinks that's going to be the next bull, bull market for Bitcoin. So... It's, yeah. it's also hard to say because like if sometime in between, which is unlikely, but it could happen if sometime before 2024, we get the spot ETF, right? Then that could kick off the next bull run. But so far, we're kind of at the mercy of macroeconomics. And so far, that's just not looking very good. What's interesting oh. is if you look at the stock to flow model, um, mm -hmm. right now it indicates that Bitcoin is somewhat undervalued. Mm -hmm. The average stock to flow right now would place Bitcoin at almost 100K, give or take. And now who knows if the stock to flow model is actually going to be accurate and if there's any way to predict Bitcoin's price based on this, I don't know. Part of me kind of, part of me kind of thinks it's somewhat similar to like astrology where it's like, yeah, it could kind of make sense, but kind of maybe not. I, I think it's more technical analysis, right? It's like, it's kind of a self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. If everybody knows this model and they see it, that it kind of fulfills itself. Well, I mean, if it did, then... Bitcoin would be at 100,000 because right now the stock to flow as of today, Bitcoin's 37 and the stock to flow pricing puts it at 106. So we should have True. a 3x upside right now if that that is expected. It so, should have been if it wasn't for Gary Gensler and not for this macroeconomics interest rate fears and no spot ETFs and it, it should have been. Yeah, I think we, I think it's just it goes to show, you know, because Bitcoin, I, I don't know if it peaked at was a 69K or whatever. You know, yeah. we've just gotten into a risk off financial markets where people yeah. don't want to take risk. We, you know, we showed those those stocks earlier that are all down 60, 70, 80, 90 percent. Those are like legit business models. And they just because no one wants to take risk. And I think that's one of the many reasons that Bitcoin's having so much trouble right now doing anything. Um, and is down significantly from its 52 week highs. It's just like people are like, eh, you know, do I really have to take risk right now? I don't know. So, yeah. um, but oh, nice. There's a stock to flow model that. Oh, that's Graham's literally talking. it. Yeah. So it does show us that by 2025, 24 ish would be, according to this, the next run up. Yeah. According to this. Um, so we have no way of knowing if that's going to come true or not. I'd like to, I'd listen, I'd like to believe it's true. But I think we, I think <laughs> we all true. would at this point to buy in at 30,000 in, in five years from now, it's worth a million. But, but that's yeah. the beauty of investing in it. You don't have to buy it all right away. You would just dollar cost average into it. And you'd be fine. 
Yeah, and, and regardless if you if you're interested in owning Bitcoin or not, I think it's I think it's a must to track um, just for the mere fact that it's going to tell you how much risk is willing to be taken out there in the market. You know, if there's a lot of people want to take risk, Bitcoin's going to do great. And if there's not, it's it's going to you know be tough sledding. So, um, yeah. all right, Alex, we're ready for the next one up here. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Oh, there we go, Andre. I did this one just for you, baby. NFTs ballooned a $41 billion market in 2021 and are Man. catching up to the full size of the global fine art market. Wow. Wow. So That's crazy. The question, yeah. The question is, in regards to this, is how big can this market really be? I mean, are we talking in the trillions? Are we talking in the hundreds of billions? Like, I think that's, um, you know, oh, up for a big. Yeah. No, I don't have numbers on what it could be. But uh, uh, interestingly enough, the NFT prices on my end, they're actually somewhat relatively stable. I mean, they're down, but you would think that because of how risky NFTs are, they'd be down substantially more than Bitcoin. And they're actually not. Um, and that's only because the liquidity on them is so hard. It's, it's so low that they don't really trade. And that's why people aren't selling out of everything. It's just because they're, they're not something that constantly trades every single second, every single minute. So people aren't selling them as much. And typically people that hold NFTs usually are not going to be the ones. To, like if you have a $50,000 NFT and the market drops, you're probably not going to need to sell it if you have something that valuable. Um, but yeah, the other stuff, like the 99% of the other stuff that I could see that, you know, potentially being not worthless. Yeah close to being worthless the thing, the thing that's confusing to me is that they compare nfts to art and yeah. i think nfts in the real case are not going to be art i think art's going to be a component that maybe gets their foot in the door like you're going to buy a a jpeg of a gorilla and that's going to be worth a certain amount but i think in the big picture nfts are going to take place of tickets are going to take place of ownership like let's say you buy a ford gt that new 4GT comes with an NFT that almost replaces the title. So you could verify that that NFT is owned by the person. 
Um, and maybe that will, I don't, again, I'm just speculating, and maybe that cuts down on car theft because you can't transfer the car without owning the NFT. Um, same thing with, with, let's say I buy the iPhone and the iPhone comes with an NFT saying, I own this specific phone. It could be with anything. So I think, yes, at some point the NFTs will outpace art, but that's just because it's not just art. That's what NFTs were originally created for. They were supposed to be supply chain verifiers. But there are also expert opinions that are arguing against that approach. And they say that there's really no way to verify anything on the blockchain using NFTs or anything crypto related because that could be faked. Like you could fake a QR code, you could fake anything. And so, I mean, I, yeah, I'd have to look deeper into it, but there, there's arguments against that too. Yeah, you know, it was interesting, um, you know, if to see if musicians go more the NFT route, because I don't know if you guys saw this was back in August, actually, uh, you know, a hip hop artist named Tory Lanez, he sold 1 million copies of his NFT album in like 57 seconds. And I guess they were sold for equivalent of $1 each at that time. So yeah, yeah I'm curious to see if NFTs will ever integrate into real estate. Like if I want to fractionalize my house, and I don't want to sell all of it, let's say I want to sell 10% of it, would I be able to create some kind of NFT? I guess it wouldn't have to be an NFT. It would just be a token, right? And then I would sell portions of my house and let people invest in it. That way I could still live in it and I still control it, but other people are investing in this specific house because I may not want to invest in Vegas or whatever in Hawaii, but I want to invest in that house specifically because maybe it's a, it's a beach house or it's some significant importance. And I think that would be really cool too. That would be that would be awesome. Imagine, uh, man, imagine if, if somehow real estate was ever as liquid as uh, stocks, which is never going right? to happen. That, that would was, be awesome. <laughs> well, I, I, be careful, Andre, because then all of a sudden you're going to see housing prices down 60, 70, 80, 90 percent. And it's going to be like short sell that area over there. Imagine, they're going down. Imagine buying options on a house. <laughs> so, so interesting. So you guys are saying that liquidity is a huge price function. Is a, is a huge function of the price of real estate. So the reason that yeah. real estate is as stable as it is is because it is as illiquid as it is. And that's exactly Absolutely. what the NFT. The NFTs are exactly the same reason why they're stable is because they're so illiquid. It's the exact same story. Yeah. The good news, the good news is with real estate, though, you can't just create a million houses overnight or something like that. NFT market, you know, everybody can create that's a bunch of <laughs> <laughs> They're empty sure. housing projects. <laughs> true, true. All righty, Alex, we're ready for the next one up here. Oh, all right. So I, I thought this was interesting because obviously Russia's in the news right now and this, this Ukraine situation is dominating headlines around the world. So first off, I wasn't that educated on, on how much in conflict is going on in that region and has been going on in that region. I, I didn't even know it was like to that level. Um, so that's pretty crazy. Um, that's a Russian-backed separatist-controlled area, and it's a very, very small area in reference to all of Ukraine. And so I think it's just good for everybody to kind of be educated on, you know, uh, what that is. And I don't know if you guys have any opinion on, you know, is, is Russia really going to try to go in there? Because I, I almost feel in, in terms of like full invasion of Ukraine, because I almost feel like if they wanted to, they would already done it, right? Like, like it's kind of like you ever seen a, a, a fight at school and two kids are acting like they're going to fight and they're like, go do something, do something. You're like, are you guys yeah. going to fight or what? Yeah, well, like part of that could be trying to get the other person to back down. Like, let's say you are trying to fight. You, you would want the other person to concede. No, 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 I don't want to do that. <laughs> or you could use that to your advantage to negotiate and try to get terms that are favorable yes. to 
Yes. And then if that's not working, then what do you do? Kind of, you know, you'll go forward a little bit, try to spook them. So I think maybe, uh, I'm not exactly familiar with everything, but maybe that could be some of what's going on. Yeah, that's exactly my theory as well. I feel like, I don't know, I've talked to a couple of Russian people, um, I actually live in Russia, (laughs) and uh, their opinion is that it's kind of overblown and everything we're being told here in the West is, is very much exaggerated. And I think that's partially true. Um, it's like the whole East versus West narrative. But at the same time, you know, if he invades those regions to like, you know, give them independence, then that that's a serious transgression. But at the same time, to Graham's point, it could just be a, a like a bargain, right? A, a, a bargain token, a bargaining token that, that Putin is using to get favorable terms for whatever he wants. It's like the equivalent of like, if you want a new job or if you want to get paid more, it's better to come to your boss and be like, hey, I got an offer at this other place for this much. Here's the proof on that. And it's like, okay. There's proof on that. And I, and I feel like he's been wanting to negotiate with the West for a very long time and they've ignored him, mm-hmm. but it, it just seems to me like it's, it's something that, that he wants as, as any natural leader would want. Right. It's like, if your country is surrounded by NATO regions and NATO countries, you're like, dude, back off. I want my space here. And so he's <laughs> doing what any other uh, country is doing. And I think there's propaganda on both sides and hopefully people can see through it and, and not be upset with each other and just kind of like take it easy and not be overreactive on things. And that's just kind of how I'm playing it. I'm just waiting to see what happens and trust. Uh, don't trust every source you read and see. You have to talk to people. Yeah, 100 percent. It's, uh, you know, it's a tough subject because you know if you speak certain ways about it uh people are going to view you certain ways right because yeah. you know I, I know i've learned you know there's certain things we learned in like school right middle school high school about like history subjects that were described to us certain ways because the books wrote it that way right and then when you got maybe a little older you did a little more research into it and kind of put the shoes on the other feet and realize oh my gosh maybe we weren't as much in the right and dot 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 situation and yeah you know, and then you find out how much manipulation goes on be- behind the scenes and how much sketchy stuff really happens behind the scenes. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, <laughs> yeah. it's like that saying. It's like history is written by the victors. Right. So yeah. It, yeah. It's a little bit of that, I think. And so, yeah, it, it's hard to say because it, it's this situation is still affecting markets so heavily and it's unfortunate. But it's just, we just have to get through it and. And does it deserve to be affecting markets? Like, what do you guys think? Does this deserve to be sending the markets down? Oh, absolutely. I think in any geopolitical tension does just because of the implications. Um, My understanding is that between Russia and Ukraine, they supply a lot of the materials needed to make chips. And that has the impact of like, okay, well, now if we're not getting semiconductors, well, what does that do to the price of cars, phones, computers? solar panels, everything, everything we use. Uh, The other thing to consider is that they import a lot of uh, oil, natural gas, wheat. And it's almost a bit like a a domino effect of, well, now if these other countries aren't getting their exports, what does that do to their economy? And how does that eventually spill over into something else, into something else, into something else? Domino effect, yeah. Yeah, and then there's like this weird spillover between, you know, alliances. And well, if you do this, then you're siding with this and that's bad for them. It's so I do think that to a certain degree, yes, I, I, I do think it makes sense why the markets are so affected. 
And it's and it's it's sad because our ima imaginations run so wild, and it's like, oh well, then Russia's going to team up with China, and then it's going to create a long-term global conflict that could be even worse, and then it just amplifies everything that much, you know, that much more. Um, but yeah, hundred percent. Alrighty, Alex, we're ready for next one up here. The countdown. Oh yeah, I saw this one today, guys. Refinery explosion threatens to send gasoline prices soaring. Triple digits. Triple digits is what I'm reading. You guys think that's gonna happen? Triple digit oils? Probably. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. You combine that with the surge of demand now that states have lifted their mask mandates. I'm I'm so curious what that impact is going to have for tourism. Uh, you know. And, and how much travel will go on just because they remove the mask. I don't know yeah. if that makes a difference or not. I think for, for some people it will, some people they don't care, but uh, I, I'm curious. I think, you know, maybe that'll, that'll lead to slightly more travel right now, especially as travel restrictions ease up. I know a lot of people in Canada will have difficulty traveling, um, you know? So now that things are opening back up, are they going to, will that send prices higher? Maybe. Yeah. Well, it, do you guys think that the world right now is like the sentiment is that the because it seems to me like the the market and the world is scared, like it's fearful right now. There's so many catalysts of possibly a recession thanks to interest rates and all this global conflict stuff. Like it, it just seems like the world is terrified of, some, of something, you know, of a recession. People are holding on for dear life with their money. Well, and that, I can tell you, I, I no. went to the mall this weekend, Andre. You know, I, I was just really curious because, you know, you get you hear all this fear and whatnot. And so I was like. Let me go to an actual physical mall. I know everybody that shops online, you're like, wait, those still exist? Yes, they still exist. Okay. <laughs> so my wife went to, to one on Saturday. And that one would be considered more like a, a middle class, uh, I guess you can say mall. She said it was insanely busy. So mm. then Sunday, I was like, let me go to Scottsdale Fashion Square Mall, which is kind of more uh, like the highest end mall here in Phoenix, essentially. Right. So we went there. And I got to say, I've never seen that mall that busy in my life. And that includes during Christmas shopping season. It was ridiculous. I mean, lines at every store to get in the Louis store, the Gucci store. Um, you know, every store had, you know, long lines at the cash registers. And I'm just like, just insane. Like, and so I, I mean, I, I've been fearful of like a recession. And then I go out there. And I'm like, uh, yeah, where's the recession at? I don't see it, at least not out here. It's all the Californians moved to, uh, moved to Phoenix. Maybe Listen, they brought all that California money, I guess. <laughs> those are those are good anecdotal like points of evidence, but the, it doesn't support the velocity of money chart, right? Like so you so that that I think is the biggest truest indicator of if people are scared or not. And the velocity of money right now is the lowest it's been in like the last 60 years or let's to say, be yeah. fair that's a lagging indicator though, Andre. And that's that's been held back because Rona and Rona numbers went so high. So I don't think that that accurately reflects what's going on today, um, what I'm seeing out there in the real world today. Um, I think I think a lot of the numbers were hurt because in December and January, um, yeah. cases went insane. So, so why is why isn't the Q1 2022 there? I guess we're not through Q1 2022 yet. Yeah, no. I think I think I believe it or yes, not, I think the election's going to be higher. Up. You think it's going to go way up after this? I think it's going to go up. I think for the first time in a long time, we're going to see an actual uptrend here. Um, okay. You know, also, do, you think, do you think that people that are shopping typically in malls, are they the, I guess, representative of, of like the investor class? It, of the investor know? class? 
what do yeah. you mean by that exactly? As far as just like, you know, stocks and, and, and invest, like, you know, asset buying. Is that oh, like rich? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it depends. I mean, I think, you know, everybody's invested for the most part in some way, um, maybe not in individual stocks, but maybe in index funds, real estate, something. Yeah. Um, by the way, I saw, I don't know why I just, this just hit me. I was at this mall and there was a Bitcoin ATM on, uh -huh. right? and, and two, two younger kids walked by, they were probably about 19 years old and they go, Oh, finally, they got one of those here. They, they didn't use it, but they just thought I it was never cool. understood those. Those are such yeah. a rip off. Who ever used it? I mean, <laughs> I, I, same. I never understood it. I never understood the point. I thought it was very gimmicky. I, I've, I've never seen anyone use it. Like, <laughs> every time I've seen a machine, never once has there been someone actually like using the thing. Yeah. <laughs> but surprisingly, they, they're a big money maker for the operators. And I, and, 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 I agree. I've never seen people use them, but I, I think, you know what I think the draw is? I think under a certain dollar amount, there's no KYC required. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. By the way, to back to the gas prices, because I know we, we, we probably went way off subject there, but you know, uh, with these gas prices going up the way they are, man, you want to talk about just another thing to push people toward thinking about their next vehicle being an electric vehicle. This is it. When you start seeing, you know, gas prices continue to go up and up and we're in February right now, guys. I mean, if this continues on, imagine where gas, because gas prices are usually always the most expensive in summertime. I mean, could we be looking at four five, six $6 gas, you know, per gallon? I think a lot of people start seeing those numbers and are like, Hmm. Yeah. I think my next vehicle is going to be an EV after all. Oh, no, California, it's already $5. You go to most oh. parts of, of West LA, you see like $5 and 36 cents. It's, wow. it's insane. Yeah. It depends but on no, the gas. Well, I don't think be like, let me go buy a Tesla now. <laughs> like, I don't think that's the alternative. Well, the, the thought process is, you know, like, let me consider getting an EV for my next car because you, you you see these gas prices, right? And usually yeah. if you anything bad happens to you, you kind of are in this this moment of like, how do I fix this, right? And one of the, the ways you can fix it is potentially getting an EV as your next car, right? So I, I don't think it's like everybody goes out and buys EVs because gas prices go up. I think it's just like that thought that hits your head where you're like, hmm, dang, it would be sweet to have an EV where I could just charge at my house for way cheaper than this $5 a gallon gas or whatever. So. Yeah. And what we have all seen. Oh, go ahead, cheap, John. What's a cheap, like, practical electric car that's not as crazy expensive as Tesla? Uh, well, I think the, the cheap, yeah, I think I think a Model Three, a Model Three is about uh, the cheapest real like EV. Sixty grand. That's not a normal no, car. No, like you can get it for forty. Chevy you can get it for forty maybe? something. Yeah, that's forty car. is not normal. That's not a normal car. Andre, price. I've been educated on how expensive EV, all vehicles are now. Andre, go to no, go to a I know. I'm and not arguing with that. I'm just saying okay. a Tesla Model Three is not a practically like non-pricey vehicle. It's very expensive. Yeah, but I'm telling you, the days of like I'm going to go get a fifteen thousand dollar car, twenty thousand dollar car, those days are long gone. You go to your dealership, dude. We're talking everything on the lots: fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty grand. I heard something about the new Silverado EV is going to be a hundred k plus or some crazy number. You know what's like, crazy? Oh, you know what's yeah. crazy? Uh, I saw an article today that Toyota Rav Four is yeah. almost a hundred thousand dollars for a Toyota yeah. Rav Four. Yeah. What? Yes, dude. You, but this is the, this is the craziest crap. I, I was really uh, contemplating this this weekend, Andre. This is the craziest thing. Tesla's going to go from being 
the most expensive car and like, wow, Teslas are so expensive to they're going to end up becoming the cheap ones on the block, which is going to just expand their market share rapidly. Yeah, because yeah. literally you can get a Model Y for what, 50, 50 grand or whatever. Go try to buy an ICE SUV. And you're am looking I, at am I crazy right now? Am I, am I taking crazy pills to think like a $50,000 car is not a typically affordable car for most people? <laughs> yeah, in, until you realize what new cars cost. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, Tesla's so, not even so Andre, I agree with both. I mean, it's like, yes, I do agree with you. But also, yes, Jeremy is right. You go to these car lots, everything is selling like $10,000 over MSRP. I'm not arguing that point. This is true. Yeah. But you could still get a Toyota or a Honda for like twenty grand, twenty two. Yes. 24 right. yeah like that's okay. yeah it's not that not, bad it's not new like, not well, new but i mean yes. that's fine but i would rather buy a twenty thousand dollar honda or toyota than a forty thousand dollar tesla that's ridiculous that should not be your second option <laughs> yeah um you guys are just like <laughs> you guys forgot what it's like to make 50k a year no, wait, wait, we're just bringing up a point, Andre. You're trying to make an argument here about like- I am, I'm not arguing with your point that cars are getting expensive. That's not my okay. argument. Yeah, that's I, fair I play. But don't, don't, don't say we don't know, you know what it's like to make 50K because I'm just bringing up the point that Tesla in the market is no longer um, as expensive as it, as it seems when you compare them to what ICE vehicles are selling for now. And never mind sure. EVs. Dude, sure. these, these these EVs are going to be so expensive coming from these yeah. other players. Yeah, if you're comparing crazy. apples to apples for EV, yeah, I'm sure they're not like crazy, but still, I think they're crazy if you're comparing just getting a car, period, just to get around. Like yeah. if I was in that situation, that's no, I would never be paying five dollar you know gas and be like, well, you think I'm going to get a forty thousand dollar Tesla now? Like I wouldn't, I would never do that. I would, I would drive a beater car. Let's cost two, three thousand dollars if I get oh. my hands. In I'll tell you what's going to happen. People are just going to drive less, and they're going to be more strategic about where they drive. Yeah, that's, that's what I think. Good. Realistically, is probably going to happen. I bought a forty-nine cc moped for six hundred dollars, and it cost me fifteen, no, a dollar to fill up. And it got me like seventy nice. miles to the gallon. Yeah, nice. that's when it was everything yeah. was affordable back then. Yeah, the, the mom with two kids that drives a Tahoe or a Suburban right now is not really considering getting the moped, Andre. She's going to consider yeah. getting a, a, a $40,000 Tesla, Tesla, yes, sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sounds that, reasonable. That's, that's, that's who I'm talking about, that, you know, the people that Pump have- it, Jeremy. Pump it. <laughs> Pump well, the it's stock. not just them. There's a lot of other EVs out there. It's, uh, it's I mean, Chevy's got products coming to market. Ford's sure. going to yeah, have the products Nissan Leaf. Market. Yeah, the Nissan Leaf's actually relatively affordable. It doesn't get yeah. you very far, but that's an affordable one. <laughs> Might might get you around the neighborhood, and then you have yeah, to plug it in. Yeah, yeah. No, but in all in all seriousness, I think it's um I think it's a it's a exciting time for EVs, but we'll we'll see. Hopefully, gas prices don't go too insane because at the end of the day, that just takes more necessity money out of people's pockets. Regardless, if you're middle class, if you're you know not middle class, it's just less money you have to spend on other things out there. So, um, yeah. and it affects the transportation with all the you know. Uh, Think about you know truckers and all the all the fuel they use. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. Did you guys remember the whole thing that Elon tweeted at Trudeau about something? I mean, I don't want to repeat it, but it was he was calling Trudeau out for. Do you guys remember what happened? That was like a ban on something to do with truckers, uh, but I don't recall. Oh, what the it was. banks. It, yes. was it, weren't they freezing? They were freezing bank accounts for people who donated to the uh, the the movement, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, it was like a protest of some sort. Correct. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's a dramatic situation. I haven't been keeping up with it super, but I know it's a very controversial topic, so I'm not even going to try to touch on that one. That's that's more controversial than Russia-Ukraine situation from what I've heard. So that's uh, (laughs) – But anyway, (laughs) Alex, we're ready for the next one up there. Oh, uh, you got I I saw this and I was like, you guys are gonna love this one, especially you, Graham. His mother promised him one thousand eight hundred dollars when he turned eighteen if he stayed off social media for six years. Wow. What's the opportunity cost though of that though? Come 100%. on, I think that's terrible. Yep. What eighteen hundred dollars for what? Not not to keep touch with your friends. It's it's not to stay up to date with employers. Imagine he works for a company and they're like, hey, we need you to help us on Instagram. He's like, what's Instagram? What's TikTok? I think it's ah, it's a terrible deal. I will never take that. Yeah. Well, you guys got a more positive, uh, probably feeling of social media than a lot of people do. Three, yeah, three hundred dollars a year. So she's paying her, she's paying him eighty two cents a day. Meanwhile, people could make eighteen hundred dollars a day by posting on social media. I think it just depends how you use it. I mean, I yeah. am both a consumer and a creator on social media, but. I, I don't spend all day browsing Instagram. If I'm on Instagram, it's usually for, for business. It's like I'm on there keeping in touch with people who, you know, you know, eventually we work together or friends. But uh, yeah, I, terrible deal. I'm not a fan of that. Wow. Got, I think he got ripped off. When he made him the deal, imagine how much $1,800 was worth six years ago. And, and now he gets paid $1,800. That's like the equivalent of like 900 bucks. Yeah. With inflation. But think about it this way, Graham. One, he wasn't going to make any money off social media because ninety nine percent point nine percent of people don't make any money off social media. Oh, so that that happen. <laughs> that, yeah, that's true. But also, he didn't have to read your hair looks messed up in this photo, and it didn't have to ruin his day. So yeah, yeah. Or maybe say if someone says, "Hey, your hairline is awesome. You have a great smile." And uh, you know, what are you doing next week? You know, you, you could no one's ever place. said that ever, Graham, <laughs> ever. <laughs> That's never happened in yeah, social you media. You gotta get some headshots, Jeremy. <laughs> gotta get some professional uh, pictures done. I, you know, I'm just saying. I wish I, you know, I wish everybody was nice like that uh, on social media. But you know, <laughs> Jeremy's like, I've never had that. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy posts pictures of the frozen food section versus pictures of himself. So, Jeremy, I would implore you: post pictures of yourself. Post pictures of you know you and your family, your kids doing fun stuff. Man, but I think people like to see the freezers, man. The freezer aisle. That's what people really want to see. So <laughs> oh gosh. Well, anyways, yeah, I think I think it really comes down to you as a parent, and um, you know, you got you have a kid and and do you want them on social media or not? And I think it's uh, you know, I as a as a parent, and you know, my, my oldest now is seven, so you know, a few more years go by, and next thing you know, he's gonna probably end up having a smartphone eventually. Oh, and then- Jeremy, yeah, that was my question to you. What right. so, so it's interesting. My my point of view is exactly the same as Graham's is like being on social media makes you extremely competitive and being aware and having the skill sets to go in the future, but it also comes at a cost, at a mental cost, at mental health cost. So mm-hmm. at what point in your kid's uh, age would you would you give them access to social media? that that's that's i gotta figure that out i mean i haven't even decided on smartphone yet first i'm like when when do they get an iphone i'm like is that 12 years old is that 14 years old is it do you you think it's bad parenting then to give uh, like access to your kids at maybe like the age of nine or something like and maybe they learn how to how to code and they learn how to do software development because i've actually i have a friend who has a kid 
He's like seven and he's like genius level smart with technology. And it's cool because it gives him such a huge leg up. But I'm sure it also comes at some or at least it will come at some you know, cost. So I don't know. I know it's a point where it's holding your child back from everyone else at school when everyone else is doing it. And, and your child is, is a bit more of an outcast because they're not participating in the events that all of the other kids are doing. That's when I, but again, I'm not a parent. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm talking nonsense here because I have yeah. no skin in the game. Yeah, that, that's yeah. Graham, you have yeah. literally only a money-making mind and that's, that's brilliant, man. I love it. But I'm like, yeah, listen, get my kid on social media as soon as possible. He's going to be the Graham's first like, one on it. Monetize my child. Yeah, he's going to get more, he or she's going to get more followers than all the other kids. We're going to boost up his numbers. We're, we're going to post content for the algorithm. We're going to get the right hashtags on this and we're going to get sponsors. So third grade comes around, this kid's making a thousand dollars a post. <laughs> hey, the, the Kardashians are watching the show right now and they're like, man, Graham is spitting tonight. He is spitting tonight. <laughs> Chris, Jenner. <laughs> Chris Jenner is like, yo, go, go. Oh my gosh. So um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a tough decision at the end of the day, you know, because I remember when I was a kid, we had one family computer to the internet, right? And it was like out in the open and like, you know, if your parents could easily walk by and see what you're doing. Now you don't know what your kids looking at or what they're doing. If they got a smartphone, that's, that's the tough part is it's like, what are they getting into? What activities are they doing or not doing? Oh, you were downloading something and your mom picked up the phone and you're like, duh, you interrupted three yeah. hours worth of downloading progress. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. You, you shut the internet off, mom. Why would yeah. you do that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Alex, what, what else we got tonight? Oh, so five thought this was uh this was interesting. Oh 45% down in three months. So fi. Any interest there, gentlemen, or what is going on with SoFi? I bought it, yeah. I bought a hundred shares today just for fun. No uh, way you did? I mean a thousand bucks. You know, in the in the big picture, it's such a small amount. But um listen, I think it's ten dollars. For a thousand dollars in proportion to everything else, I don't mind. I don't mind taking a nibble here and there. It doesn't matter to me. Right. Didn't you buy SoFi a couple months back or, or no? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So I so I've staggered in. I basically dollar cost averaged into into SoFi. I think my cost basis right now is probably twelve to thirteen fifty. I don't oh, know. That's not bad. Yeah. It's it's definitely definitely higher than where it is now, but it's not like the that's twenty dollars when we you know when it was at its peak. Yeah. But uh yeah, I just occasionally, if it's if you know, if I feel like it, I'll buy a little bit of it. That's, That's it. crazy coincidence that I happened to bring up this specific stock on a day when you bought it. I mean, it makes me think it'd be a shame if somebody had hacked your internet. Andre, what do you think about SoFi? <laughs> I like it. I'm actually. I just wanted to ask: Is the financial sector particularly down uh, yeah, right now? Because it's, yeah, it's fintech, man. I mean, because you looked at you know, we talked about Square earlier, down sixty six percent or sixty seven, whatever. PayPal, Robinhood. Yeah. It seems like it doesn't matter what you're doing in fintech right now. You can't do anything right. Anything. Right. And that's so, just that's just the whole interest rate narrative. Yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's more than that. And, and, you know, I brought this up to Graham a long time ago. You might not remember, but we were talking about fintech valuations in like the private market yes. and whatnot. I think it was one day we were at the gym and I was like, man, I feel like fintech is such a bubble right now. And, um, you know. The problem is with all these companies, they, they had a big boom cycle with new people signing up for their products, right? 
Uh, I don't care if you're talking stock brokerages or something like SoFi or whatever, right? Crypto brokerages. It was such a boom because everybody had so much time in their hands. They were watching YouTube, watching all the social media stuff. And they're like, hey, man, yeah, let me get into this. They set up accounts. Um, and then assets under management went way up. And then now they're kind of stuck in the situation where it's, it's getting harder to acquire customers. It's all price action, though. If prices are going up for everything, then, you know, I hear all my friends are making money. And it's like, oh, my gosh, how do I make money? Oh, watch this YouTuber. That's how I learned. Yeah. And it's like a snowball effect. So it makes sense when prices are going up. Everyone's making money. Everyone's spending money. Now it's the yep. exact opposite. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. Now, now there's no one talking about anything. <laughs> you don't want to talk about your investments right now, because if you bought SoFi five days ago, you're already down 14.5 percent. and No one talks about that. Right. So, sure, um, sure. yeah, I, I love actually sharing my like losses and everything, especially when it's losing money, because I, I think you can't always show people when you're making money. Yeah, it's, it's like it's not relatable. It, it's not always going to happen. And it's nice to be able to say, hey, I'm, I'm down like everyone else, too. And I'm still invested and everything is fine. Yeah, it, it's tough, you know, because most people don't have uh, platforms. Right. So most people, if they're telling somebody about a loss they're telling friends or family members. Right? right. And the toughest thing about that is then you're like, well, they're going to look down on me more than likely. Right. They're going to be like, well, what are you doing? You're losing money in some stocks and stuff. They're going to look down right. on you. They're not going to understand it. And I, they're, uh, they might be fearful for you. So like, hey, you know, you need to be safe. Like, get out of those stocks. Get out of that crypto, whatever. You need to put your money in a bank account or an index fund or whatever. So, yeah, I, I no, I feel like it encourages like if you're honest and transparent with your losses, I think it encourages that conversation to explain to friends and family like, hey, I know I'm down, but you know, it's OK, because over time, here's what happens to the market. I think it's encouraging to, to openly talk about losses rather than like hiding them and being like, oh, I'm not. I'm not smart. I wasn't making money. It's like, it's all right. That's just what happens to the market. The, the problem is, I think you have to really get the person that's really open to the idea. Because I remember at Quick Trip, I would try to get so many people into investing in, in uh, into the stock market and what I was doing. And it was like talking to a brick wall most of the time. They're just not yeah. interested, right? They have to be open to it. And if they're not open to it, it's just- but, but this, is, this is where I think dividend stocks especially shine to me. It's like, you could say like, hey, I know the principal value is down, but look, I'm still being paid. I'm still being paid out. And that's the beauty mm -hmm. of that. Like, even if you're losing money, you're still collecting that cash flow. And I think, I love that strategy. Yeah, I think dividend stocks are probably the best to get people into the market for that exact reason. Um, mm -hmm. And usually they're considered safer companies, so- yeah. Um, all right, Alex, what did we got left? Uh, overtime or anything else? Overtime. We got anything we didn't discuss in this video that you guys thought we should have discussed today? Overtime. Hmm. Well, we got the uh, yield curve, which is beginning to flatten. And uh, hmm. that's from the expectation of rising interest rates and inflation. And that's supposed to be predicting a recession. That recession could happen in usually it's about a year, give or take. So, again, an indicator that people look at. It's not. 100% accurate. It's pretty accurate, but it's not 100%. And don't scare uh, people, Graham. It's not it's not inverted yet. Odd. But the other thing, Andre, I think you mentioned in one of your videos that even even during recessions, it's not guaranteed stocks aren't guaranteed to go down during a recession. Yeah, it's 50-50. Yeah. So even though you hear the term recession, it sounds bad. But I think most people confuse recession with a bear market. They think, "Oh, we're in a recession. Stocks right. must be down 20%." But the recession versus a bear market Two totally different things. We could have a bear market without a recession. We could have a recession without a bear market. Yeah. Yeah. It, sometimes they're not correlated. Look at the, the Russell recently hit bear market. We got S&P 500 in a correction. 
And like I said, you, you know, I go to the malls, look at real estate, look at almost everything in the underlying economy, I think is doing really, really well right now. Um, but the stock market is not doing well. So crypto is not doing well. If you, you guys know, could take out a loan of a million dollars, a small loan of a million dollars at a low interest rate, would you do it? Yeah, uh, yeah, I would. I mean, it depends how low. Under three percent, yes. Under three percent. Three, three and a half. I probably, I, I'd probably say yes at three and a half. Four, I would turn it down, most okay. likely, just because it. Under four, I would strongly consider it. I agree. Fixed right. for thirty years, though. It had to be fixed for thirty years. Okay. I would, I would do it as well, and then I would put margin on top of that and go all in call options. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, all right, wrap it up. It <laughs> I'll get a loan on the loan, and then, and then package it and sell it as a CDO. Great, love there it. We go. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'll have a hundred million dollars in the market. <laughs> oh gosh! Well, this was a fun episode, guys. Hey, everybody in the comments, let us know how you enjoyed uh, an episode like this, or if you didn't enjoy it. I know we try to stay more on track and with slides and whatnot. Let us know in the comment section. Did you like this? Did you not like it? Um, we're indifferent about it. So we're always willing to try things and adapt and whatnot. We love to hear from you guys as always. We appreciate you. Thanks for smashing. Don't forget to use FTX, which is linked in the description area. Make sure to subscribe to the channel and, uh, until then we'll see you guys next week. Stay tuned with millennial money clips and make sure you follow us all. And, uh, links are in the description for that. Good night good, guys. Pretty soon we'll do the uh, pre-recorded videos. So yes. as soon as you come back, Jeremy, I'm ready when you are. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.